This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 15 and I hope you're enjoying these studies. We've covered the book of John uh, we in very much detail. We've ca- uh, covered the book of Acts. We've covered the book of Luke. We've covered the book of Hebrews and now we are covering the book of Matthew. And If you hadn't had a chance to go back and listen to those podcasts, I, I pray when you, if you have time when you're at work or whatever, uh, throw some earbuds in and, and take a listen. Um, because uh, our goal here is for people to get to know Jesus, and if you already know Jesus, to grow closer to Jesus. And I just want to say thank you for being a listener, and thank you for praying for us here at the Grind It Podcast. And thank you for supporting us by telling your friends and your family and your coworkers and sharing the Grind It Podcast uh, with them. Because when you share the Grind It Podcast, you are also sharing Jesus and giving other people the chance to know Jesus and to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as we finish up Matthew chapter 15, you know, we've seen the Pharisees question Jesus as to why his disciples don't wash their hands ceremonially right after he just fed a crowd of what we call the feeding of the 5,000, but it was more like 10 to 15,000 because they only counted men. They didn't count the women and children that were there. And he had just fed this crowd with two fish and five loaves of bread. But hey, let's make sure, you know, that ceremonially your hands are clean because that's what's important, right? No. Legalistic faith is an absolute nightmare and the people who are in bondage to it Yes, the people who are in bondage to legalistic faith, they do not know the freedom that we have in Christ. And we see that in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders time and time again. Uh, and then, and, and so Jesus, after he uh, finishes his uh, sparring, if you will, with the, uh, with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he leaves that area and he goes into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, which is heavily populated by Gentiles. And he is met there by a Gentile woman who has a daughter that is demon-possessed. And he takes care of that situation after having a conversation with her. And he was moved by her faith when she told Jesus, she says, hey, yeah, I may be a dog, but even the dogs deserve, because she was saying, because the Jews looked at his Gentiles as dogs. And Jesus had told her, I'm not taking what's given to the children of Israel and feeding it to the dogs. And, and she said, yes, but even the dogs deserve the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says, man, what faith this woman has. You know, because of your faith, you know, your daughter is healed. The demon is, has been taken care of. Um, and so Jesus was moved by this woman's faith. And so uh, this is just a prelude of what's going to happen in Tyre and Sidon and, and the hunger that is there for uh well, they wanted to meet Jesus, and they they wanted to, they they've heard a lot about him. Uh, his fame has spread because of of what he's been doing, and his not only his teachings, but he's backing up his teachings with these miracles. And this lady's just witnessed it, but but there's fixed to be an opportunity for thousands of people of Gentiles to witness what the God of Israel can do. Uh, and as I've already mentioned, he's he's in the region of Tyre and Sidon, and this is an interesting area 
Because if you go back to the Old Testament, and, and Tyre and Sidon date way back into the Old Testament, and they, they've been destroyed uh, a time or two. Um, but David, King David, uh, he actually got cedar trees from this region uh, to build his palace, and he wanted to build God a, 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 a permanent home in Jerusalem, uh, which is, was going to be the temple. But God would not allow David to do so because he has shed blood. So uh, Solomon, David's son, would be allowed to build the temple. And just like his dad, he also got cedar trees to build the temple and some other structures from uh, this region of Tyre and Sidon. And uh, if you like to study the Bible, and I, I don't mean just read it, I mean like really study it, uh, you can go to websites, like you can Google the websites, you can Google pictures, but there, you know, people travel over there into that area to see the Bible to come to life for themselves. Unfortunately, I don't have the time or the money to do so, so I have to Google it. And so you can do the same thing. You can Google these images, but uh, one of the websites I visited is uh, BibleArchaeology.org, and I, and I looked up Tyre and Sidon to, to get to know a little more about these these two Phoenician cities, and they're about 20 miles apart. And the word Tyre it it, it means rock, and it was named uh, Tyre, which is rock, because it it when it was originally uh, established, it was an island away from the mainland, and it was an island that was made of rock. Um, as I said, it was separated from the mainland, and this guy, you've probably heard of him before, Alexander the Great, he's coming in and he's destroying everything and he's conquering every every piece of land and he's taking everything over, but he couldn't get to Tyre because Tyre, there was a, a you know, the sea was separating it from the mainland. And so uh, Alexander the Great, uh, Tyre would not submit to him, and so he says, I, you will submit. I will find a way to get out to you. And what he does is he literally takes stones, and he takes timber, and he takes dirt, and he dams up the sea and literally built a causeway out to the island so that he and his army could get to the island and, and take it over and made them literally submit. Uh, and if you go back into the Old Testament, the prophets, they, they spoke about... Uh, Tyre and Sidon being destroyed. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel was a big one. There's several verses in Ezekiel that talk about the destruction of both Tyre and Sidon. Um, and there's some archaeological findings from both cities. Now, Sidon is still occupied to this day, even though it's changed its name. So there's not a whole lot of findings from Sidon because they can't do the digs since people, you know, since it's still being occupied. Um, but uh, in the New Testament, uh, Tyre and Sidon, they were they were very prosperous Roman port cities, and you can still if you just Google these images, you can see the Roman influence that's still there to this day. You know, two thousand years later, well, it's actually more than two thousand years, uh, but you can still see the the remnants of the, that that Roman influence there. Uh, according to BibleArchaeology.org, the site of the ancient mainland city became a large and ornate Roman necropolis. Uh, and one of the, the main things that you'll see there, among others, uh, but one of the things that stands out is a Roman hippodrome. And a, a Roman hippodrome is where they had horses and chariot races. And, and this thing is so large that it would seat about 20,000 people. And it, and it is the best preserved hippodrome uh, to this day. It, it had been filled with windblown sand. And, and, and the archaeologists uh, cleaned this thing out. 
Um, and and so uh, it's it's one of the it, the like I said, it's one of the best preserved hippodromes of the day. And you can actually go to it and visit it and sit in the seats and just imagine the the horse and chariot races that's going on there. Uh, but it's interesting to me because Jesus was in that area. I mean. Who's, who's to say that Jesus and his disciples didn't, I mean, Matthew doesn't record it, none of the gospel, gospels record it, but Jesus, they, they, they were interested in culture, they were interested in, in other things, uh, and so uh, maybe he went and watched a horse and chariot race there, who knows, we don't know, but it, it's just neat to think that Jesus and his disciples were there uh, because these sites were there when Jesus was walking the earth. And it, to me, that's just mind-blowing. It's just so cool to see these things. And like I said, you can Google this website, or you can Google the images of the Roman Hippodrome uh, in, in Sidon, in Tyre. Uh, like I said, they're about 20 miles apart. In, uh, on, on, that's in Sidon. On, on the island of Tyre, uh, near the site of the uh, Egyptian port today, sits an impressive ruins from the Roman and Byzantine periods. And these include... Uh, a western extension of the Colonnade Street from the mainland site, and, and, and uh, uh, there's uh, there was an agora there, which is uh, the marketplaces, which is where you know Paul, when he traveled around, uh, when he was starting these churches, he would go to the agora because he knew that's where people would be. They were there selling and buying their goods, and so he would take the message of Jesus and the gospel to these agoras and tell people about Jesus. And when you Google an image of, of this Colonnade Street, you, you're like, how can how can these Roman roads, I mean, you can see it, it's, it's still paved. It, it, it's got these, it's made of these stones. And it's like, they made better roads than we did today. How can they withstand for 2,000 years? And yet, you know, our, 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 uh, a local governments can't even pave a, a highway and it lasts, you know, a few months without having a big old pothole in it. Uh, uh, but to think that, hey, Jesus and his disciples could have walked this road. The, Paul and his, his companions, when they were going to these cities and starting these churches, uh, they could have walked this road. It, it, it's just mind-blowing to me. And there was other things that were, that were found in, in Tyre and Sidon. Um, but we'll move on. Uh, this would be an area known for its Gentile influence more than Jewish, um, but Jesus still went there, and Jesus does something amazing that it, we don't even really talk about it very much. I mean, you know, we talk about the feeding of the five thousand, which was more like ten to fifteen thousand, counting the women and the children. But we don't know how many women and children were there because they 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 weren't counted. Only the men were counted. So we know there's at least five thousand men there. Um, but this this feeding of this huge crowd it actually happens again, but this time it happens to a Gentile crowd in a Gentile area, and this is how Matthew describes it as we finish out Matthew chapter fifteen. It says Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill, and he sat down, and a vast crowd uh, to him uh, a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak and many others and they they laid them before jesus and he healed them all he didn't heal just some of them or a few of them he healed every person that was brought to him and that's going to take some time but that's what he did he spent time with people he gave them hope and the crowd was amazed matthew says those who hadn't been able to speak were talking the crippled were made well the lame were walking and the blind could see again and listen to this and they praised 
the God of Israel. This is a mostly, if not all, Gentile crowd. And they, they know about the God of the Hebrew people. They know about the God that the Jews worship. But Jews and Gentiles, they didn't get along. They hated each other. And, and, and the Gentiles, they were more influenced by the Roman culture and the Greek culture. So they, they had these false gods that they worshiped. But yet these false gods wasn't doing anything for them. They couldn't come through for them because they didn't exist. The God of the Jews, uh, the, the God of Israel, did exist. And here he is walking in the flesh, and he's in their territory. He is in their region. And, and the fame of Jesus has spread all throughout the area, even amongst the Gentiles. And they were hungry. They, they wanted the opportunity to see this for themselves and to experience it for themselves. And, and Jesus goes into their region, goes into their territory, and, 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 and he doesn't disappoint. He, he comes through like he always does. And they, they, they hear that Jesus is in their area. A crowd gathers around. They're bringing their sick. They're bringing their crippled. And, and Jesus heals every one of them. On that day, they, the, this Gentile crowd has now learned a lot about the God of Israel. They see his grace, his mercy, his love, his compassion that he has for not just the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And they could not get enough of it because their false gods had never come through like this. And Matthew says they praised the God of Israel. And then Matthew goes on to say that they called Jesus or Jesus calls his disciples and told them, he says, I feel sorry for these people. Now listen to this. They've been here with me for three days. That's why I said they can't get enough of Jesus. They're just soaking it all in. They're just marveling at everything that comes out of his mouth and everything that they see him do. And they spent three days with Jesus. And Jesus says they don't have anything to eat. And he says, I don't want to send them away hungry because they'll faint along the way. They don't have no energy. And his disciples replied, where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a crowd? And this absolute, uh, this just dumbfounds me because they just watched him feed a crowd of about ten to 15,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And here they are just a few days later, a little bit of time has passed, and they're saying, how are we going to feed all these people? We don't have enough food for this many of people. And, and I had this thought when I was studying for this podcast, and I, I thought, how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget what God has done for us in our lives. Because we, we see God work in our lives. We, we see him come through when we cry out to him. When, when he, he absolutely works a miracle in our lives or, or he provides for us and, and, and you know these things that we asked for and, and God comes through and we know that it's God that has come through but yet a little time passes and we forget everything that God has done for us. We're just like the disciples. You know, there, there's a song that we used to sing as I was growing up. Uh, an old hymn that says, Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And I can't really remember the rest of that hymn. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. 
But why do we need to count our blessings? Because it's a reminder of what God has done, a daily reminder, and that's what we need. That's why Moses told the Hebrew people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, put these in your heart. Remember them. Teach them to your kids on a daily basis. Store them in your heart what God has done and what you're going to see God do in the future. Don't forget what God has done. And we need that daily reminder of what God has done. I mean, don't ever forget what Jesus has done and what God has done sending His Son Jesus down the cross for our sins. Please never forget that. Never forget that. And so Jesus asked his disciples, he says, how much bread do you have? And they reply, they reply seven loaves and a few small fish. Last time it was, it was five loaves and two fish. Now they have a few small fish, a few being three or more. And they have seven loaves of bread. And there's less people. Uh, Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and he thanked God for them. And he broke them into pieces. And he gave to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. And they ate as much as they wanted. Every one of them. How many is it? Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. Last time it was 12 leftover. This time it's seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men there, Matthew says who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and the children. So roughly 10,000. If you got 4,000 men, just say only half of them are married, and they have one child. That's 10,000 people right there. And they're all fed as much as they wanted. These Gentile people, are, are it's, it, it's the same thing that was happening to the Jewish crowd. It's happening to this Gentile crowd, and they're just in amazement. They're in awe of Jesus as they should be, right? And so Jesus sends the people home and he gets in a boat and he crosses over to the region of Magadan, which, uh, if I'm saying that correctly, which is also known as Magdala, which is believed to be the home of Mary Magdalene, hence her last name, Magdalene. Um, Now, this place, Magdala or Magadan, however you want to say it, uh, it holds something, well, actually it holds two things that are very special. And if you study the Bible at all, and I'm not talking about just read the Bible occasionally, I'm talking about really reading the Bible and breaking down the words, you know, not just in English, but the Hebrew and the Greek words. And you like looking up pictures of the ancient cities and what it was like back when Jesus was walking around the earth. If those things pique your interest, you need to check this out. According to uh, Wikipedia, and there's other sites I could have looked at, but I just uh, I got this off of Wikipedia. It's just a lot easier. Uh, archaeological excavations on behalf of, of the Israel Antiquities Authority conducted in 2006 found that the settlement of Magdala, it began during the Hellenistic period between the 2nd and 1st centuries BCE. So it was there when Jesus was walking this earth and his disciples. And it ended during the late Roman period, 3rd century CE. Later, excavations in 2009 through 2013 brought perhaps the most important discovery in the site. Now, this is so cool because you can go and see pictures of this. An ancient synagogue called the Migdal Synagogue, dating from the Second Temple period. It is the oldest synagogue found in Galilee and one of the only synagogues from that period found in the entire country as the time of the excavation. 
They also found the Magdala stone, which has a seven-branched menorah symbol carved on it. It is the earliest menorah of that period to be discovered outside of Jerusalem. In 2000, and you can see pictures of that. In 2021, another synagogue from the same period was discovered at Magdala. And I'm going to post, if I don't forget, I'm going to post uh, from the website from GreekReporter.com to show notes where you can see pictures of these synagogues. And it's absolutely amazing. I mean, you can see the mosaics on the floor. And, and just to think that Jesus and his disciples, Paul and, and, and all of his comrades, they, they could have walked in this synagogue. Because Paul, all, that's what he would do. He would visit the synagogues when he would come into these, into these cities uh, to bring them the gospel. Uh, and so they could have walked in on these on these on these places. It's just it's just so awesome uh, to think about. But here's what I'm going to leave you with today, as we finish up this podcast. Never, never, never forget what God has done for you, because you see the enemy is going to try in any way that he can to discourage you from following God and putting your full trust in Him. And when the doubts come, remember, remember, remember what God has already done for you and know that He will come through again. Now, Psalm 143 is a great psalm to read about this, but for time's sake, I'm just going to take a few verses from Psalm 143 when David says, My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. But listen to what David says there. The enemy is after me and and, and I'm losing all hope. I'm, I'm paralyzed with fear. You ever been there? I bet you have. I know I have. I felt like this several times in my life. Life is hard, and the enemy is just trying to discourage us from following God and put, putting our full trust in God. And David says, I, re- I remember what you did in the days of old. I, I, I remember all you, I ponder, I think about all your great works and what you have done, and I lift my hands to you in prayer, and I'm, I'm asking you, God, come through again. Deuteronomy 6.12 says, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from the slavery in the land of Egypt. But Israel, they were hard-headed, weren't they? Especially when Moses led them out of Egypt. Uh, and that's why he's saying, don't, don't forget when you, you, know, you were slaves back there in Egypt, but God has brought you out. Don't forget that and what God's done for you. He rescued you from slavery, and he's going to take you to the promised land. But well, they didn't learn their lesson very well, did they? They forgot real quick. And plus, they wanted to go back into uh, slavery, back into Egypt, which is mind-blowing. And that's another lesson for another podcast on another day. Isaiah 46, verse 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I mean, I said this other day in the podcast, and I say it a lot to, to people. Where are you going to go? Uh, um, yeah, you get discouraged. Yes, you can get upset with God. Yes, you can question God. But don't give up on God because where are you going to go outside of God? There's not a person on this earth that can save you from your sins, first of all. There's not a person on this earth that can get you into heaven besides Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, who sits at the Father's right hand, who is the one who died for our sins and shed his blood 
and fills us with his Holy Spirit when we put him on uh, in baptism and made him our Lord and Savior and confessed him with our mouth, nobody else can do that. So where are you going to go outside of God? Yes, we can, might can meet a few needs, but there's going to be storms in life that you can't handle. And you're going to have to absolutely put your faith and trust in God. And God says, remember the former things that of old, the things that I've done for you in the past. Don't forget, I'm God and there's no other. I'm God and there's none like me. Psalm 77, 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. And there's tons of other verses I can share about remembering. But I want to leave you with this. In the Old Testament, what they would do is they would take stones and they would stack up stones to build monuments just to remember what God had done. So they would not forget. Uh, Joshua 4, 2-3, Exodus 13, 3-6, Exodus 24, verse 4, Deuteronomy 27, 1-8, Joshua 22, 9-12, Joshua 24, 24-28, 1 Samuel 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 12. There, there are some examples of them building monuments. But I, I remember um, um, when a time when my boys were younger and we would go to the creek and play. And I can't tell you how many times we would go to the creek and, and there would be other families there or had been there in the past where their kids had taken the, the stones out of the creek and, and they try to stack them up as high as they can or they would try to dam up some of the water so the water would run around uh, the rocks and it would just make this they would just make this big rock pile and and that's exactly what was going on in the old testament they would just stack up these rocks as a monument to signify this is what god has done for us and this is where he did it and these rocks were a reminder of what god had done for them so that they would not forget see to everybody else it was just a pile of rocks that somebody has stacked up but to those who were there those who experienced god's uh moving god coming through on their behalf it it was a great reminder of what god had done for them and i just want to encourage you to get to the creek gather some rocks and remember what god has done for you and keep them in memory. And don't forget. Stay faithful. I know life is hard. I know the enemy comes with discouragement. And anything that he can. To keep you from trusting in God. But count your blessings. Look back. It's like the, the Hebrew author told, told his people. When they were being. Uh, 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 they, they were being persecuted. And they were leaving the, the church. They are leaving Jesus. And they are going back into Judaism. And he tells them, he says, look back, remember what God has done for you so that you will stay faithful. If we can pray for you today for anything, if you're struggling in your faith, uh, if you have a need that we can meet, we'll try to meet that need, but you have to let us know about it. You can email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and we will lift you up in prayer and we will let you know that we are praying for you. And if we can meet your need in any way that we can, let us know about it. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. 
If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe, and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.